Are you gonna be so you gonna be so worried about how y'all related? Or are you gonna are you gonna feel the spiritual connection? Hi friends, this is Under God. I'm Jackie Newsom. I'm Isaiah Lewis. And we are two outsiders who are coming together to question the text and build community together. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Welcome, welcome listeners and friends, or I guess our listeners are our friends, whatever. We are officially recording in the Lenten season, which as some may know, is my favorite time of year. Although last year we almost hit crisis because I was like, wait, why is the cross important? (laughs) Quick disclaimer for this episode, the wonderful, immaculate, incredible, divine, uh, uh, God among mere mortals, that is Isaiah Lewis. Yikes. Is... Is coming to us today without um, his beloved Mike. His computer, in my opinion, is being a hater. And he decided by faith, just like Abraham, by faith, (laughs) he was going to record this episode anyway. And we thank God. We thank God and the elders and the ancestors for his faith on today. That's my best Baptist intro. So glory be to God. So if you feel like the sound quality isn't what you would want it to be, close your eyes, give us some grace and keep it pushing because we still have great things to share with you in this episode. Amen and amen. (laughs) You're the best. I try. I try. We are. So yes, we're in Lent. We talked about this last year and we are now officially posting on Instagram. In addition to our Facebook posts, we are under God pod on Instagram. Um, And we have like five posts up and that's a huge deal. And so we posted on Ash Wednesday, a written excerpt from last year's Ash Wednesday podcast, which was a reminder that this is a time of humble reflection. This is a time where we think not about greed. Um, we think not about sort of of empire. Um, we, we worry not about the ways in which we are oppressed, but we what we think about the ways in which we are community and we focus on, oh, how great it is to be alive and in relationship with one another, even in the midst of what is really difficult. I saw a lot of people commenting um, and writing this week about how this whole year has felt like Ash Wednesday right? This whole pandemic has felt like being in a place of like despair and and having to face our mortality. And I kind of feel that. And also I am hopeful about what we can all gain from this 40 day period, 40 ish day period. So yeah. So I've selected a Lenten scripture from the lectionary text reminder We didn't pick these scriptures. We weren't on the lectionary council. We weren't alive, but we like it. And I'm really excited to read Romans 4. Technically, it's like 13 through 25, but we're going to read the whole thing because it's my jam. And as what's that lady's name who does the vegan treats, the black lady, Tabitha Brown, because that's my business. She always says this thing. She's like, because that's my business, because that's your business when she like adds seasoning to stuff. Anyway. Okay. Uh, moving on, Isaiah, anything special you want to say before I start reading this super long scripture? Uh, oh, remind us, Lectio Divina. Oh, 
Okay. Yeah, so we're going to do Lectio Divina. So that's our sacred reading. We're going to read the passage twice. You're only going to hear it once because we, we cut for time. But we encourage you uh, listeners to follow along with the text and maybe read a second time for yourself alone or with a group of friends. So basically, we read the, the passage once. We pull out words and phrases that stick out to us. We read it a second time. Uh, for ourselves, and then we start talking about what's what um, what questions we have, and and share with each other kind of our thoughts around the passage. And um, doing it this way helps us really pay attention to um, both what is in the text and what is in our hearts while we read the text, because you can come to the same text many different times and you read the text but the text also reads you Mm. Um, so it's helpful to know where we're at by reading uh, this text together and trying to to build some meaning out of it Um, we're also going to provide some context because this this passage this chapter isn't alone in this book and it isn't um, and and it's a letter that was written to people at a period in time and it's helpful to kind of remind ourselves of that and make connections with the text but also with the people who were reading it word I feel like it's a really good thing I mean we catch up for some time before we start recording just because we're actually friends but I think it's really helpful because it sort of puts out into the atmosphere I feel like one it's a way of inviting God into our podcast but two it's a way to put into the atmosphere what what's going on because even if we didn't, it was it's it's gonna come out <laughs> in how we're reading the text. Yeah. So I feel like we kind of laid that bare at the beginning. So thank you, thank you, Isaiah, thank you, Holy Ghost, for making sure that we do that. Cause I don't know, I feel like I've like vomited all my things out, and so now we're about to enter the text, and everybody, God and Isaiah knows what I'm going through, <laughs> which will explain um, why I'm reading the text the way that I am. So we encourage you all to do to do that as well, whether it be journaling or talking to friends. It's always important to just get that stuff out and not bury it or try to push it down because it's going to inform how you read and what you read anyway. So might as well be honest about it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. God, you know, you said because um, that's my business, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, God knows your business. And- <laughs> You know, it's that's not a bad thing. That's actually a really good thing because it helps us kind of build intimacy, build trust with God when we share what's actually going on. Yeah, that's really true. Oh, I'm excited. Okay. All right. So um, this is Romans chapter four. And I'm actually just going to read the whole chapter. Oh, boy. Okay. All right. Here goes. <laughs> so what are we going to say? Are we going to find that Abraham is our ancestor on the basis of genealogy? Because if Abraham was made righteous because of his actions, he would have had a reason to brag, but not in front of God. What does the scripture say? Abraham had faith in God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Workers' salaries aren't credited to them on the basis of an employer's grace, but rather on the basis of what they deserve. But faith is credited as righteousness to those who don't work because they have faith in God who makes the ungodly righteous. In the same way, David also pronounces a blessing on the person to whom God credits righteousness apart from actions. Happy are those 
whose actions outside the law are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Happy are those whose sin isn't counted against them by the Lord. Is this state of happiness only for the circumcised or is it also for those who aren't circumcised? We say faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness. So how was it credited when he was circumcised or when he wasn't circumcised? In fact, it was credited while he still wasn't circumcised, not after he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that comes from the faith he had while he was still uncircumcised. It happened this way so that Abraham could be the ancestor of all those people who aren't circumcised, who have faith in God, and who and so are counted as righteous. He could also be the ancestor of those circumcised people who aren't only circumcised, but who also walk in the path of faith like our ancestor Abraham did while he wasn't circumcised. The promise to Abraham and to his descendants that he would inherit the world didn't come through the law, but through the righteousness that comes from faith. If they inherit because of the law, then faith has no effect and the promise has been canceled. The law brings about wrath. But when there isn't any law, there isn't any violation of the law. That's why the inheritance comes through faith, so that it will be on the basis of God's grace. And that way, the promise is secure for all Abraham's descendants, not just for those who are related by law, but also for those who are related by the faith of Abraham, who is the father of all of us. As it is written, I have appointed you to be the father of many nations. So Abraham is our father in the eyes of God in whom he had faith. The God who gives life to death and calls things that don't exist into existence. When it was beyond hope, he had faith in the hope that he would become the father of many nations in keeping with the promise God spoke to him. That's how many descendants you will have. Without losing faith, Abraham, who was nearly 100 years old, took into account his own body, which was as good as dead, and Sarah's womb, which was dead. He didn't hesitate with a lack of faith in God's promise, but he grew strong in faith and gave glory to God. He was fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. Therefore, it was credited to him as righteousness. But the scripture says that it was credited to him. Wasn't written only for Abraham's sake. It was written also for our sake. Because it is going to be credited to us too. It will be credited to those of us who have faith in the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was handed over because of our mistakes, and he was raised to meet the requirements of righteousness for us. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Woo! I'm through. I'm done. We can go. Oh, yeah? Because I feel like in, in a super dangerous way, but in a way that I like, just read, just read the words on the page. I like it. I like it. <laughs> It, it, they're so because this is what I want right it's like all gracie and it's all like everybody's in everybody's included um and it's all like boo like 
you know, don't, it's like, don't stress yourself out. You're all good. Don't trip about the law, which, which when we, when they talk about the law in context, and I know Isaiah will break this down. It's like, can be dangerous and border on anti-Semitic, but in the context of my world, right. Where it's like, yeah, the law, like the law isn't the end all be all. My clients are great. The laws are stupid. Um, I don't know. I like it. It's like, yeah, righteousness. Like, like, how do you, how do you become righteous? It's not by your actions, um, necessarily, right? Like actions, actions aren't everything like faith matters. And for people who like struggle with actions being maybe what society like wants them to be, um, it's like, but I got faith, baby. Um, right. It's like, keep the faith, baby. Like your actions, Ooh, we might be struggling, but that faith, sometimes that faith can get you places. I don't know. It's just a very like churchy, gaudy scripture that makes me all giddy inside. (laughs) That's awesome. That's why I like it. Okay. So we're going to pause. And then this was super long. Um, So we're going to pause and reflect and yeah, what jumps out at us. I basically said mine already, but The word credited stand out, stood out to me. Yeah. It's a lot of credited. A lot of, a lot of righteousness and faith, which is why I picked it. <laughs> God who gives life to the dead and calls things that don't exist into existence. Yes. You know, I love the last, what is it? 20, 24B through 25 already naming you know we're just into Lent and we're talking about who raised Jesus from the dead I'm like yes (laughs) he was fully convinced that God was able to do what was promised Hmm. that's why the inheritance comes through faith so that it will be on the basis of God's grace happy are those whose sin isn't counted against them by the Lord so what are we going to say? I mean, I just, I'm hyped still. Like, so what are we going to say? Are we going to find that Abraham is our ancestor only on the basis of genealogy? That is just, that is just like how people of color, black people specifically function in the world. Oh, so that's, so it can only be your cousin if, if y'all got relate. no. Fictive kin is real and is close and is important. And play cousins are are the, the core of my life. And heck yeah. You gonna be so you gonna be so worried about how y'all related, or are you gonna are you gonna feel the spiritual connection? Mm. Are you gonna let the ancestors in or they gotta be related to you? I don't I'm just like, yes, I'm reading all the things. I'm reading, it's just like, yes, all the things. Tell me more. God has something for you and like you get to have it regardless of any technicality. So go on and take it. Go, It's okay, have faith when there's no reason to have faith. Have faith when you don't even have hope. Mm. Have faith when it doesn't make sense. It's okay. Have faith because even though you have never seen it in your literal family, you, your neighbor has it. And that's, and that's close enough. That's good. Like, I, like, this is just so exciting. I mean, there are some, yeah, like glaring issues and 
we know my mixed feelings on the author of this letter, but it's just like, this is, this is some good stuff. Like when you just, when you need something to hold on to, this is one of those scriptures that's like, it's cool. It's cool to just have blind faith. It's okay. Things suck. They look impossible, but go ahead, go, go ahead and have faith. Are you, you feel frozen? You feel like you can't really do anything? Like that, like there's this paralysis, like you're not, you know, you don't know how to act. You don't know what way to go. Just okay. It's all right. Just have a little faith. You need an example, Abraham. Do I think, <laughs> do I think that there's some exaggeration here? Absolutely. Do I, do I, do I think that it is true that Abraham and Sarah just was down with it and wasn't worried about it? No, I don't think that's true. But the point is, <laughs> The point is that you keep going by faith and that like faith, faith is, is, is enough sometimes to like get you to where you're trying to go or conversely actions aren't everything. Actions aren't everything. And, and I think in this day and age, like empire and what empire says you need or what empire dictates that you need isn't everything. Like so much of my testimony is surely works or actions like sure. But, but so much of it is faith, right? It's having enough faith to apply to law schools that I didn't have the scores to get in, right? Or faith to go to seminary when I, you know, wasn't sure how I was going to be able to afford all of the things, right? Or having difficult conversations with people, leaving certain situations, right? Advocating in certain ways, not, you know, it's like, the faith to go into the unknown, the faith to sort of say, I kind of think maybe sort of God maybe could have said something. So I'm gonna go ahead and step on out. Like that is just so much of like, I want to use the word magic. Like to me, that's the magic of God. Like that's the magic of religion. Like that, that's the mat. That's, that's the magic of like, wow, somehow this worked out. I don't know. This is like, it's just that notion. It's the theme here that I love so much, you know? I'm just, oh, makes me excited. Okay, I'm done. Go, Isaiah. Teach us all the things. I, I don't want you to be done. You're teaching, <laughs> us, you're teaching us a ton right now, and I love it, and I want it. So, yes. I think you have a lot more to say, a lot more good stuff to say this, this week than I do. Um, <laughs> no, get lay it on us. Well, so... I'm always, I'm always interested in the context. I'm always wanting to know what's happening, why this letter is being written and all of that. Mm -hmm. And so as far as I can tell, so this letter was written by Paul. It was written, uh, they think, well, technically it was written by Paul's like assistant. His name is Tertius. Um, but Paul's like dictating this letter and it's around uh, 57 or 58 ce and it's written common era yeah in the common era so after you know this is this is about 20 years uh 20 25 years after uh jesus has died and um it's actually before the gospels are are written down and circulated so this comes first there are churches before there are gospels and um Paul has never actually met the Romans. This is a letter to the Romans and he doesn't know them. He's just sending this letter along being like, here you go. 
here's what I think. Um, and that's really interesting. People are trying to figure out why he does that because usually his letters that we read are to people he actually knows um, who he has been in conversation with, usually um, in churches that are having some kind of conflict or trying to figure something out. That's usually when we get a letter from Paul. Um, but this letter, um, there are questions about why he's writing it. Um, the most interesting explanation is that um, he's writing to them because he has heard of a problem that they're dealing with and he sort of wants to put in his two cents in the hope that um, he'll actually get to meet them and establish relationships later. So basically during this time, right before this, for a few years, the Jewish Christians had been kicked out of Rome. Um, or just Jewish people had been kicked out of Rome uh, by the emperor. So that meant that the Christians, the Jewish Christians who had been running the church had been kicked out as well. And so what you end up with is a church that is run entirely by Gentiles for about five years. And then um, the emperor allows the uh, Jewish people to come back to Rome so the Jewish Christians come back and they're assuming that they're going to take up the leadership positions again. And uh, the Gentile Christians are like, oh, hold on a minute, we've been doing just fine without you. And so then that creates this tension between the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians in the church, church in Rome. And um, so what you have in Romans is this kind of, uh, attempt for Paul to kind of explain why, you know, Jewish Christians are great and Gentile Christians are also great. And like, there's this unity um, in Christ that does not require uh, one to be either a Jewish Christian or a Gentile Christian, like that it, it makes sense to be both and to be unified. And so that's sort of what's happening in this letter. I think that's the most compelling argument. So then you have a lot of references to, um, you know, you have this refer reference to Abraham and this really brilliant move of like, if you're a Jewish Christian, you understand yourself to be a descendant of Abraham, which you don't necessarily think of yourself as if you're a Gentile Christian, but there's this expansion, like there's this inclusion of both, you know, that the Jewish Christians are a part of it, but like that Gentile Christians are as well. And it's in a way that is not supersessionist. Um, so it's not in a way that says um, Christians who aren't Jewish are better than or have replaced Jewish Christians. Um, and I think that's really important because um, this can be read and has been historically read in such a way as to say, well, um, Jesus came to abolish the law, which means that um, it, the law was bad and uh, Jewish people are following an outdated thing that we don't need anymore. Um, that's not actually what's, what's happening here. There's something much more beautiful and So that's what I have to say about context. But that's, that's critical and I think adds to my excitement because what we have is 
what I want to call the truth about this text, which is it, it isn't messy or harmful, right? That's not what's happening here. This isn't an effort to exclude. This isn't an effort to, you know, to claim one thing as superior. This is an effort toward inclusion, yeah. right? And all of the work that Paul is doing with the questions of genealogy and with the and with the conversation around circumcision, right, is to show how everyone is included. Mm-hmm. And what Paul is doing is writing to a people who are who are fighting and and truly trying to to use an incredibly important figure right his historical figure at that point right because no one living while Paul was writing was living while Abraham while while Abraham was living right Mm -hmm. so this is a historical figure one that presumably they've they've grown up you know the Jewish Christians have grown up learning about and hearing about and respecting and using this figure right to say hey this is a figure of unity Mm -hmm. we're all in this we can all do this, you know, and that like, that's like what we want, right? What we want is, I mean, that to me is, I just can't help but think about all the ways in which communities, especially communities of color, you know, at our best, we are unified, right? And we are unified because we are no longer talking about um, who is in and who's out. We are actively working to find the ways in which we are are alike right and like that's the beauty when we went and then and then we can expand it from folks of color to um include white folks in society when we want to talk about uh the abolition of empire right we want to talk about all the ways in which empire is oppressive to human beings and how once we all decide to come together that is where we get the core of revolution and i think that that says something about faith right that Mm -hmm. says something about what is possible when you decide um, that togetherness is valuable, right? What is possible when you decide to be honest about history and read it in a way that says, you know, this is, this is how we got here. I don't know. There's something like, I think there's a way to read this that's, that's really, that really is freeing um, and really is, I don't know. That's why I'm still so excited because it's like, I feel like the context only bolsters my excitement because it helps us to understand that this text isn't dangerous if you're trying to be faithful to the context, right? This text isn't dangerous Mm -hmm. if you are trying to be honest, right? And if you are trying to be faithful, (laughs) right? This text is only dangerous when you're trying to be dangerous. Yeah, yeah. This text is only exclusionary when you're trying to be exclusionary, right? But when, but, but when you're interested in unity, when you're interested in, in, in all of the possibilities of righteousness, when you're interested in freedom, right? When you're, when you're interested in being free, this text can really help you get there because it can help you feel good about faith. It can help you to feel good about what we call fictive kin in the law, right? Play cousins, like I was talking about earlier. It can help you feel good about seeing what is true about everyone involved. And that is not to to do the perverse thing that this country does, which is sort of whitewash or try to Americanize or, you know, and unify in that way. Well, we're all Americans, so we're all in this together, right? As a means of ignoring the ways in which 
America, aka white supremacy, has systemically and systematically oppressed all of those who are other and who can't pass by virtue of skin tone or socioeconomic status, right? That's not what this is doing. That's not what this is advocating for, right? This text is saying, we acknowledge all that Abraham is. We acknowledge all that has been the struggle to this point of the people of Israel and of all others who have worked to come to a place where faith is able to move them. We, we acknowledge all that it has taken, right, to arrive here. And we want to hold on to those memories by unifying one another, not by saying you're out, I'm in. I'm better, you're worse. And that there, there is this like, God was faithful first. You know, that's, that's the kind of like, Abraham was faithful, but God was faithful first. Mm. And the law comes out of God's faithfulness, but it isn't the only or first mark of God's faithfulness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And to be bound by um, one form of, of one expression of God's faithfulness and to the exclusion of, of paying attention to the others um, can be limiting to us. If we're, if we're accustomed to seeing God in one way and arguing that that's the only way, then we're, we're cutting ourselves off from our, our own kind of encounter with God. Yeah. And, and perhaps even cutting off how we can show up in faithfulness to God and to community, right? If we're saying it's only this way, like there's so much, I mean, there's so much of this, right? There's so much of in, in sort of modernity. I know in the black church context, there's this idea of like really oppressive sort of sex and sexuality ideas, right? And so for folks who can get pregnant, this idea of I'm pregnant, but I'm not married and therefore cannot serve God. And it's like, if you allow yourself to be limited, think about all the ways that you're, that you're not serving God and others because you believe this, you know, this notion that like, there's something wrong. Like think of all the ways you're limiting your child because you believe that there's something wrong. Whereas if we can, if we can decide to see other options by faith for what, how we can be present in community, like we're so much freer. You know, like, Mm -hmm. that's just super exciting to me. That's, that's really, really exciting. And like, as someone who, who, if pushed, right, would say, I believe that faith without works is dead, right? I'm I'm a big works person, right? Mm -hmm. This, this is a nice reminder of like, sit down, girl. (laughs) Right? Or a nice reminder of a complexity, right? Mm -hmm. This is where we get to enter the complexity where we, I know I so desperately want god and the bible and religion to be so like binary and so like clear-cut rules like oh my gosh i'm a rules girl right like love rules um (laughs) and it's like here's like no 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 there's a complexity here there is a world in which actions are not the end-all be-all there is a world in which we can come together by faith and get free there is a world in which like that to me is that's just some additional hope that I need sometimes. And I, and I just want listeners to like be okay and bathing in 
the complexity and be okay in bathing in the call for unity and be okay, you know, and bathing in, in a little bit of hope and a little bit of faith, even when we can't see it and it doesn't make sense. And you're hearing this extraordinary, I would argue exaggerated. I have no basis for that, but extraordinary and exaggerated narrative of Abraham. Cause it's like, ain't no way bro was, bro was, I'm sure a, a little worried every now and again, but the point is like, <laughs> somehow you keep going and not keep going in an actions way, but you like, you just sort of keep believing and you keep stumbling through this world, you know, and you, and like by faith, things come by faith, community come like insert any movement, right? Any movement for social change in this country, because, you know, I don't have great contacts for other, other countries. Right. But like, you can't tell me that was all works. You can't tell me. There's no way. There's faith and divinity involved in all of that. So like, it's just nice. It's just nice to be able to read something that says to get free in in many ways, just freaking believe. Like, I feel like Mm -hmm. I'm often in spaces trying to remind people, let's first just believe it. Let's, let's first just believe that this structure can be undone. Let's mm-hmm. first just believe that this structure can be, let's just first believe that we deserve something different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just, so I'm going to use this text to do all that work, you know, to do all those things. I, I kind of think that Paul was like shooting from the hip, right? Writing this letter, like hoping, right? Because like I talk about all the time, so much is at stake for Paul all the time, right? And he's just like, please, y'all, please get in line. Cause I've put everything on this whole God thing. Please, please, please do this thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Um, and so he's just like, he's also hoping with his letter. Like he believes it, sure, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's no certainty. Paul hasn't, Paul is not, Paul hasn't met Jesus in, in the ways in which, you know the writing of, of the disciples have, right? And so we have every reason to like, sort of be able to argue he's, he hoping too. With every stroke of of the pen or dictation, he's like, yep, well, come on y'all. Yeah, he's got, he's got something to prove. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, it's just like, for me, this is a text that's like, yeah, cool. You can be in that space. And, and and still feel good and still feel okay. You can be in that space. And like, yep, use some Bible stories to help you be like, yep, they did it. If that's all you got, right? If you can't look to your left and look to your right, look Abraham. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I like it. And I think that, I don't know. I'm, I'm even more excited by your context because it's, it brings in that unity element that I feel like you always remind us of. And that's so important, I think, during the Lenten season that unity yeah. and that call for freedom. So that's it. That's all I got. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I always love how you, um, like this time you brought up this uh, idea of a fictive kid and other times you'll talk about kind of the ancestors. And I, I love that because, you know, Abraham isn't just a historical figure or just, you know, a story a character in a story that everybody knows, but like the work that, that Paul is doing here is 
saying, you know, here's your ancestor. This is actually a common ancestry. Like, here's the story, here's the origin story that explains why everyone, like this, this, this person who, in many ways, like this is, this is where we meet God. This is where our, our people meet God is like, God comes to Abraham and creates, you know, from Abraham, the people of Israel, but like also is the creator of, of all the nations. Like there's something really beautiful in claiming a common ancestry in, as, as you said, like it's deeper than, but inclusive of a sort of metaphorical sense, like, but it, there's, there's a richness in it that um, it's an understanding of the death of our history together mm -hmm. um, that I think is really beautiful because it isn't abstract. It's, he's, he's actually being quite great and saying, here's, here's the source of all of this. And the source includes all of us. Mm -hmm. We're in this thing together. Yeah, and then the the tie-in with Jesus and understanding like the death that was sort of in Abraham and in Sarah that, you know, because of God brought forth life, you know, that Jesus is doing doing the same thing, but carrying us through, you know, that you we, we have sort of the sneak peek of the resurrection, as you were saying, um, that like it is not only abraham that unites us but but jesus carries us like that that christ um brings all of us into new life regardless of of how hard you work um or whether or not you're considered righteous that jesus comes for for all of us even you know are you a christian or not are you a jewish mm -hmm. christian a gentile christian it mm -hmm. like that, that Jesus comes for all of us to create a new reality for all humanity because that's what Jesus does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the end of the text says it was written for all of us, right? Like credited as righteousness is written for all of us. God's grace is for all of us. So the question that I have for you is why is this, why is Romans 4 included in the Lenten text options, right? That's my question for you. My comment is, this makes me think of, um, so I think of my brother. So my brother and I share, we have the same dad. We don't have the same mom, right? But there are times when if my, bro if my, if my brother does something like my mom, right? Someone will be like, yeah, we know that's your mama, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, it's, and I feel like that it makes a, is a good example of like, not genealogy, but still, like relationship and connectedness, right? Because even ah, that's not his, like he does not have her DNA. He has spent so much time with her, right? He has lived in a house with her. He's traveled with her. They are um, closer in age than the distance between he and I is the distance between he, the two of them, right? They're 18 mm -hmm. years apart and we're 18 years apart. Whereas my mom and I are, far more than 18 years apart right so like there is almost like almost generational like similarity but also like 
what you get from being around someone all the time, right? And what things people are willing to believe or assume when you introduce yourself is like, oh, this is my mom or this, you know, whatever. And so I don't know, that's what this text made me think about is like, even though that's not his mom by blood, that is his mom, right? And that is, and he acts like her and he maneuvers like her and he understands her and they can complete each other's sentences and they crack jokes together in a way that's like, you would never believe, you know? Like that, that I feel like that is a part of what this text is saying or how this text is trying to show relationship, you know, and unity. And like every time he says, that's my mom, really that's a faith statement. Mm. It's not a fact, right? But it's a, it's a faith statement and it is made manifest by the ways in which they interact and engage with one another. If she chose to reject that notion, right? Then we would see a lot more differences, but she mm -hmm. doesn't. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I, I don't know how helpful that was, but that's what I was thinking. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think that's a perfect example. You were asking why is this a Lenten text? Yeah. Um, I mean, the short answer is I don't know. The longer answer is I think we're getting ready to, um, Lent is about trying to understand what happened with Jesus. Like, what does it mean? Um, what changes in reality when we understand our world through the lens of um, Christ's death and resurrection. Um, and I think that this is sort of a buildup and ex explanation of like that, you know, part of how the world changes is an understanding that we are not, that, that we can have unity without assimilation, um, that God's grace is capacious enough that we don't have to be good first um, and that we don't have to be a particular type of religious first. Yeah, we don't have to be good before God comes to us. And we don't have to be a particular kind of person um, to bear witness to God or to receive God's grace. That God liberates us from that. God has come to us, has always come to us first. And that Jesus sets us free before we can even ask for that. Um, and that becoming a Christian, uh, the process of becoming Christian as, as a lifelong journey is, is a gradual revelation of the ways in which Christ has already set you free. That's the word. That's the Lenten word. Okay. <laughs> Amen and Ashe. That has to go in there. Yeah. I, I am very grateful for this episode because um, I... I was doing a lot of reading and I was doing a lot of trying to be like, crap, like, what is there to say about this text? Like, and you said all of it. You had every single, every single good news. All of the newses were Jackie Newsom bringing the news. It was beautiful and I am grateful. So whether you feel ready or not, whether you feel like you're in or not, go. Live as free people. No matter who you are or where you are or what you do, keep the faith, baby.
Under God was created by Jackie Newsom and Isaiah Lewis. Our music is by Broke for Free. We're going to start over. <laughs>